for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 396 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week we have the return of Caleb Palmquist, who was the driving force behind a small favor anthology, and he's back with another anthology, this time called Modern Mythology. We talk about his role in the book. He's given me a chance to look over some of the stories in it, so we get to talk about that. We discuss who created the stories and what kinds of things we can expect from this book, which is on Kickstarter right now. So be sure to look up Modern Mythology. It's going to end in mid-September, but don't wait until then. Be sure to get out there and support it today so he doesn't have to sweat bullets like so many Kickstarter people do. We also talk a little bit about another Kickstarter that he had recently, and it's a really interesting little story, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. Greetings, my noble titans. You have been selected by me, Kronos, the god of the gods, to give you a golden opportunity to bear witness to a collection of mythologies retold for the modern age. Behold, modern mythology, the hero's journey. Inside lays a series of short stories created by a multitude of extraordinary artists and writers, retelling tales of the great gods and heroes themselves. Considerably less great than me, obviously. Set in modern times, from Theseus to Hercules, Achilles to Enkidu, creatives from all over the world came together to bring forth this epic collection, one that I, Kronos, the best god that there is, approves of. There we go. It was missing a little something. Modern Mythology. Complete your role as a god among men. Available on Kickstarter now. It's always great to welcome to the podcast, Caleb Palmquist, creator of A Small Favor, which was a great anthology, and some other irons in the fire right now. How's it going, Caleb? It's going awesome. How are you, Wayne? Good, good. Let's dive right in. You've got another anthology book, which you made available to me, at least a preliminary copy, and I got to read some of the stories in it. Why don't you describe what it is, because there's a, a Kickstarter going on right now for that. Right. So this book is called Modern Mythology, The Hero's Journey. And so it's an anthology book that is basically about retelling stories from mythology in the modern day. Mm -hmm. So basically everyone who contributed chose a mythological hero from they could pick from any culture in the world. And they chose a mythological hero and then they told a new version of that story. Okay, And you know how many pages you're going to have in this book? So it's going to be about. 150 pages. Okay. When all said and done, because the version you gave me only had 124, but there's a lot of pages that weren't quite there yet, so that's okay. But I got to read them. I, I enjoyed the stories a lot there. As usual, when you do something like this, it's quite an interesting journey to go on down these ways. And I was saying to you before we started to record about the fact that one of them didn't quite strike me as heroic. And I don't. We don't right. want to spoil that story very much. But it's this. Uh, well, we can say it's Vasilisa is the name of it, and it's written and illustrated by Alex Lewis. And it's a really good story, except that. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I don't think it ends all that heroically. Maybe this is just a chapter in her story. Um. So that's interesting because the story of Vasilisa is basically based on the character that's more well-known, I guess, in popular culture is Baba Yaga, who is the um, the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening who has seen the movie uh, John Wick, the third John Wick, mm-hmm. um, they talk about, they, they like compare John Wick to Baba Yaga because mm-hmm. she's like this, uh, Baba Yaga is like this um, vengeful kind of force. Mm-hmm. And I totally get what you're saying about Vasilisa not totally being a hero. Mm -hmm. And I guess the thing about that is that, well, part of, I think, what happens when you have a book where you're like, here's, we're going to talk about a bunch of heroes, characters that, Mm -hmm. that we consider to be heroes that are classic stories, is that 
you you kind of have to rest, wrestle with the idea of what a hero is, what it means to be a hero. Because if you're going by a definition of like someone who's virtuous and does good things, then yeah, I think you might be right. Vasilisa might not be really a hero, mm-hmm. but if you're going by you know, depending on what what definition you're going by, because like you're talking about um, like Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. his uh, you know Joseph Campbell, the hero with a thousand faces, like the proto myth, like the the proto hero is you know someone who like starts in one world and goes on a journey and comes back changed, mm-hmm. and I think under that like sort of broader umbrella, every hero in our book fits that mm-hmm. um but that that's a pretty that's casting a pretty wide net mm-hmm. well the thing that gets me is is well <laughs> on one level she's rid the world of certain problems shall we say mm-hmm. when we get to the end of it and i i was actually reminded more of the uh what's her name and the ugly stepsisters story oh, um, what's the name of that Talking about Cinderella? Cinderella, yeah. And yep. that ugly stepsister. I was reminded of that, and I thought what was happening was he was going a different direction, shall mm-hmm. we say. And so in that way, I kind of liked it. And then, you know, the world's a better place for Vasilisa being around, I, I will say that. And so in that way, she's heroic. I mean, the world is, is clearly <laughs> improved, <laughs> shall we say, at the, by the end of what she's up to. I thought the art was particularly good, and the story was interesting, too. I mean, when, the basic story is a girl with a, who gets a doll uh-huh. is the thing about that. And I was fascinated. I, I thought the drawing of the doll was particularly interesting, too. I, the whole thing, I thought the artwork was really well done, and I thought the, the fact that it had this interesting twist at the end got me but i didn't see it so, was very heroic but on the other hand it's a really good story oh well I'm, i mean i'm glad you think so i'm i'm like i'm really glad that you latched on to this particular story it's also one of my favorites mm-hmm. it was written and drawn by a woman named alex lewis mm-hmm. um who is a relatively new comic book artist mm-hmm. and um the cool thing that she did with this story is that she actually took classic russian drawings and paintings and uh, use them as the inspiration for a lot of the scenes. Hmm. So at some point um, it, it would be interesting to, uh, to take those original drawings and the, and the new and in her drawings and sort of put them side by side to see um, sort of where that inspiration came from. But yeah, it's um, she, she spent a lot of time on that story. There's a lot of intricate details in there. So I'm, I'm really glad that you, that you picked up on that and that you enjoyed that story. That's pretty good. Now, what was your role in all of this? Because uh, as far as I can see, you're not writing any of this. Are you the editor of this? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, unlike my previous book, so uh, my previous book, A Small Favor, the science fiction book, is like completely written by me mm-hmm. uh, w- along with my w- with my co-creator, uh, John Grimes. But we we write the whole thing and then we just hire artists. And this book is much more of sort of a collaborative piece so i originally had tossed around ideas for a story that i might write in this book but um essentially like time and a few other factors got in the way but the thing is my role is that i I created the book Mm -hmm. and i'm the editor Mm -hmm. so basically i'm just managing the whole thing um and yeah well good because you know the the truth of the matter is is you don't necessarily have to write every story so you can make right. sure it's a good story by editing it and doing stuff because it's gotten the role that I do on occasion. I, I get to something and I go look at it and I go, well, you know, that doesn't quite fit the bill of what you're after there. And I don't know how to ask you know, somebody about that. But it's interesting that the, you're wearing a different hat this time. Yeah, and it's, it's actually really cool. I, I actually really like it. I think that if I do another anthology like this, and if it goes well, I totally plan to because it's been a g- really great experience. But mm-hmm. if I do another one, I, I might end up writing a story in it. But really, the important part for me is bringing all these people together mm-hmm. with a sort of a common vision. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been phenomenal. Actually, like some people warned me that it would be really stressful mm-hmm. to run a book like this. But I mean, there's been some stress. But to be honest it's been an amazing experience. Like all the people who are contributing are like very excited about it Mm -hmm. and they took it very seriously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they really like, I mean, I just had this silly idea for a book. I was like, what if we retold myths in in the modern day? And then a bunch of people got excited about it and made it real, Mm -hmm. which is 
an incredible feeling I can't begin to describe. Mm, that's cool stuff. Now, let's talk about the cover right mm-hmm. off the bat. Who did the cover? So the cover is done um, by Angela Oddling, mm-hmm. who is, uh, is a really cool artist. She does uh, a webcomic that she writes called Detached. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm understanding things correctly, a lot of, some of the characters from the stuff inside are on the cover. Oh, yeah. I see the spider. There's a story with a spider involved. Mm-hmm. I see her on there, and I see some other people. They're not all people from stories, are there? There's some other characters that are not necessarily in the stories. Yeah, not not all the characters that are on that cover are in the book. Okay. Uh, so Water Jar Boy, you see him yep. right there. He's yep. in the book. Uh, yep. Anansi is uh, right. The, good the spider. spider. He's mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Is that a he or and, she? The spider. Anansi is the is a is a he. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Somewhere I got the impression. But you know what? I keep thinking of. I keep thinking of uh, Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I interpreted Charlotte's Web onto that, and I may, kept thinking it was a female because of Charlotte. I don't oh, know if right. you ever read that story, but uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that one there. Okay. So, uh, and then Hercules, I think that's Hercules mm-hmm. uh, there with the bat. And now there is a story with Hercules, not in the version that you read. Mm-hmm. Um, that story got finished right after I sent you that preview mm-hmm. copy. Okay. Um, but there is a story with Hercules, but it's not this version mm-hmm. of Hercules. And then. Uh, so it, it looks like there's a few characters that are in the book, and then and then I think that Angela was just trying to sort of represent, the, give the feeling of sort of different cultures on mm-hmm. the cover, mm-hmm. sort of like how the different dragon heads are clearly from different mythologies. Right, right. Very good. Yeah, I love the cover. I thought the cover, I, I like the purples are one of those colors that's really tough to, to get to work well, but I think this one does it super. I think it really does a nice job using the purples and the yellows and some of the, the reds are, are, it's all a nice color scheme to that. So I think it works out really nicely. Well, for sure, yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the stories. Talk about The Hunter and the Lion, which is the first one that I had available to me. I, I'm really, because this is the one with the spider in it. Mm-hmm. That I really liked. I I I never read a story like that before, so I kind of I liked it. I liked the fact that the spider was able to interact instead of just kind of stand around and say, "Well, you know, maybe this should happen, that should happen." The Anansi was able to do things, mm-hmm. and and I loved the fact that it was a big surprise when things appear to resolve. <laughs> and then it goes a different way. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. I was stunned. Oh yeah. So I I I, I love to be surprised, as you well know. I, I variety is my thing, and I also like it when I read a story that I haven't read before, and it goes a different direction than I planned. And I really that that story at the very beginning sets the tone, I think, for the rest of the book in the sense that we're not going to be able to tell what's going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. So. This story is uh, written by Greg Anderson, Elise, and drawn by David Brame. So this story is actually um, a tie-in to Greg's Is None of the Were Spider series. Are you familiar with that at all? No, I'm not. So uh, Greg writes this series of books, comic books, called Is None of the Were Spider. And it's about this character he created, oh. Is Nana, who is the son of Anansi, who is the actual African god of stories. Mm. And uh, the series is fantastic. And and the thing is, is that I've known Greg for a few years. We run in sort of the same circles in terms of comic book people. And when I came up with this idea for this anthology, I was like, your character fits this perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to him and I asked him if he'd do a story for the book. And he he agreed. And he so the story, The Hunter and the Lion, is a is none of the Were Spider story. And it's only going to appear in this anthology, mm-hmm. which is really cool because it's definitely, um, it's like canon. It's part of his larger universe, but it fits so perfectly into mm-hmm. into what we're doing in this book. And I totally agree the storytelling in that is great. Greg is this genius writer, I think. I mean, I think like he's going to be one of the next big things in terms of comic book writers. Um, and so I was really thrilled to have him on. And and the story's great. And like you said, it's unpredictable. And I totally agree. Like It sets the tone in terms of a lot of the people who, who wrote stories in this book like really went a different direction than you would have expected, mm-hmm. uh, cool. which is awesome. Oh, it's great. Okay, because when I got done reading it, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> a lot of surprises along the way. Which you know, as somebody who's read 
comics as long as I have. I love that stuff. So I was really like, wow, that was a great, a good way to start. Now, is that the first story that's going to be when the when the book comes out? Yep, that is the first story in the book. Yep, good choice. So that, that, to me, I wow. When I read it, I said, from there on out, I have I have to throw all my notions to the side. I have no idea what's going to happen. So I like that. And then, then the second one, of course, is Water Jar Boy, which who you mm-hmm. said was on the cover. Talk a little bit about that story. So Water Jar Boy is a Native American myth, and in it's written by uh, Philip Charles and drawn by uh, Ryan Kroboth, um, two really cool guys. Mm-hmm. And the original myth is is about uh, a water jar, and of course, in their version, he becomes a water bottle, like a discarded water bottle. And there's a sort of a a message there about taking care of the environment and whatnot. And uh, it's a short story, but I think it's it's very neat. Uh, I, I I really like it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Again, I didn't know what was going to happen. It t- turned out really well. And, of course, the one thing that stands out to me is, of course, I recognize the comic store in the background. <laughs> I kick out of the list Gotham's finest comics in the back there. Which right. If you're in Florida, I think you, you know what, where that place is. Uh-huh. So I got a kick out of that. The art style is very different from the other one. The other one's more realistic. This is more cartoony on some levels. So, mm-hmm. I mean, did you tell these people to vary the art styles i mean was just just it just happened this way that that the one style was a more realistic and this one was a little more i don't know a saturday morning kind of feel to it right so as far as the art styles go i mean i kind of you know let people fly their flag the way they wanted to like Mm -hmm. everyone came to me with story pitches Mm -hmm. um and you know with the like whether it was a writer an artist or just an artist who was also writing they came to me and some of them i reached out to and some of them came to me and and uh you know i wasn't going to dictate what kind of style they were going to do obviously like i had some input in terms of you know what fits in this book and what doesn't in ter- tonally thematically but but yeah as far as art style i mean it was everyone who came to me if i liked if i liked what they were selling you know we were mm-hmm. we were off to the races Good, good. Well, the next one is called, I hope I pronounce it right, Theseus? Theseus, yep. Yeah, written by Russell Nolte, who I've interviewed on this podcast a while back. And it's a different kind of a story there, too. Uh, talk about this one. I mean, I don't want you to, of course, give away secrets and stuff like that. They'll make the story work. But I got an interesting <laughs> – Theseus is somebody who apparently carries his cell phone with him wherever he goes. <laughs> so okay. – uh, yeah, in this story, Theseus is sort of like a hipster, and instead of, you know, trying to navigate the maze with a string or anything like that, sort of like in the original myth, he, he uses an app called Maze, which is sort of a parody of Waze, mm-hmm. to, to navigate the map, which is, a, which is a cute idea. This story is drawn by, uh, by Nicholas Torres, who has actually worked with me extensively in the past. Nick has done a ton of a ton of work for a lot of people. He's very prolific. He drew a big portion of uh, my first A Small Favor book. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so these guys have worked together before. So this story is, is definitely one of the sillier ones in the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like that because mm-hmm. I feel like there there's there's a huge range of like tones in this book. So we go we've got stories that are really sort of sad and introspective and somber. Mm-hmm. And then we've got all the way on the other end, we've got this like really wacky, silly cartoon story about Theseus using a phone app to get to the center of the maze. Mm-hmm. But there's a big surprise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, and, you get a huge surprise, which I, again, I'm, I'm <laughs> reading this thing going along. All of a sudden, there's a big surprise. And I went, whoa, okay, I didn't see that coming. So, you know, it, it, surprises seem to be part of the, the heroic journey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, I think that there was definitely a big inclination for a lot of the writers in this book to throw a twist onto the story. So a lot of these stories, like we know, I think a lot of readers on some level will be familiar with like the story of Theseus and the Minotaur is a story at some point that everyone's heard. Mm-hmm. And so I think that because these stories are so familiar, a lot of the a lot of the writers wanted to wanted to give it a twist, wanted to change something up so that it felt fresh and new. And I think for the most part, they really succeeded. Well, the first two panels I have to read because that made me laugh. This this king obviously sitting in a throne, and he says, "You Theseus wish to travel into the labyrinth alone and fight the Minotaur yourself." 
And he responds, it'll get me out of this dumb conversation, then I'll do whatever, which made me laugh right out loud because, you know, so many people get on your cell phone and you're suddenly stuck in this conversation you can't get out of. And that's what he does there. Now, again, the surprise at the end is so worth it. Very, Mm -hmm. very big surprise, which I like. So, I, you know, you're setting up a pattern here of, again, I I knew I wasn't going to know what was happening, and boy, am I surprised. (laughs) So it's good stuff. Now, the next one is a very different one. You know, all the other ones are full color. And this one, we get to this one called Tristan. And it's, mm-hmm. let's see if I can uh, get the name of that. It's a Noah Meese, I think is the name of the person. Noah, Noah Meese. So, Noah Meese is one of my favorite people on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the main artist on A Small Favor. And he is the first artist who ever took a chance on me as a writer. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I always try to rope him into everything that I do. Uh, now, the thing about this story, the version that you read did not have an explanation. So every story in the final published version, mm-hmm. the writer mm-hmm. is going to write a little explanation of the original myth and their interpretation of it. Okay. And in this, I, I totally understand why you might have been confused because he chose to interpret the story of Tristan and his old, mm-hmm. which is a story that maybe not everyone has read, but it's mm-hmm. sort of... Um, it's like a Romeo and Juliet kind of story. Mm-hmm. And in Noah's version, Tristan is a sad, heartbroken boy mm-hmm. staring at his phone, mm-hmm. hoping that a girl will text him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the art is beautiful. I oh, think yeah. it's the best work Noah has ever done in mm-hmm. a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, I'm just blown away by it. I will say... There is almost no lettering or narration in the book, mm-hmm. in the comic. And so if you're don't, if you not familiar with the story of Tristan is old, you might be a little in the weeds. But mm-hmm. in the final version, there's going to be a little summary of the original story. So that should help. I get a huge kick that there's another cell phone involved. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I got a kick out of that because, you know... you know, you get the sense that he's heartbroken and at the end, you know, it, it's like he falls asleep. You know, mm-hmm. or something, or he's heartbroken and he just doesn't want to look at the phone anymore, or something like that. So I got that. So mm-hmm. it's really good. And then, of course, we talked about Vasilisa already, yep. which I really liked. So the next one after that is called Setna and the Book of Thoth. I never get these yep. th sounds right. Is it Thoth? Thoth? Thoth yep. or Thoth? Okay, I never know. And this one is again, your art style is very different. Mm-hmm. She's moving on to what uh, is talking about uh, somebody who's the son of an affluent minister and has loved a sheltered life. And then we begin to see that he's a reader by nature, and that takes him into some supernatural doings, which is good. I like the use of color in this particularly. They're more subdued. There's a, a picture of a uh, an image, let's just say it's, it's green. There's a light green in the background kind of going on. It really is interesting. So this, I think this has to do with Egyptian mythology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, this is an Egyptian story. And it was written by a guy named Sheldon Fisher, who this is his first comic book script. Hmm. Yeah, so that was very exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he did a really good job. And he par- teamed up with a guy um, named Luck mm-hmm. uh, Noyan, I think is how you say his name, but I'm not totally sure. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Locke. Um, but it's uh, it was... What they did with this story is that Sheldon actually did drew the um, the the roughs, like the thumbnails of the story, and then Lot came in and did the pencils and the inks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not really sure how that necessarily impacted the art, but I think it turned out pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I I like that we had an Egyptian story, uh, which was really cool. And I also personally I'm a huge fan of the whole concept of like seeking knowledge mm-hmm. and like is that always the right thing the right thing so one of my favorite plays ever is dr faustus by christopher marlowe are you familiar mm-hmm. yep. okay so i love that play and like that's mm-hmm. totally an allegory of you know like mm-hmm. reaching too far and 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 that story has been told you know a million times like it's a this is a classic parable and so i i, I really liked this version of it, I think the art was great, and I love that um, Sheldon uh, came out the gates with like a really strong story. Mm-hmm. Of course, I have to, at the very the one part of the end I will spoil. It says "and," but before that, it says "this isn't my end," 
which I loved. I thought that was a great way to, you know, it, it says the end, but this isn't the end. He's, that's how he d- describes it. So right. I like that. I can think about it. Okay, the next one is written and illustrated by Daniel Hill. Benki? Ben- Benkai. Benkai, okay. Talk about that one, because this is, this is a little more Oriental in feel, or Asian, I guess I should say these days, Asian in feel. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Benkai is actually a, like, sort of falls under the umbrella of folklore because Benkai was a real person mm-hmm. who was a warrior monk in Japan. And Daniel sort of tells a story of the way the story goes is that Benkai is sort of sitting on a bench telling children mm-hmm. about his life. Mm-hmm. And it's basically sort of, you know, he, he goes to, the, he goes to war and, and all this other stuff that's going on. And there's some sort of like commentary on war and, and protests and and uh, and friendship, mm-hmm. which I really liked. And I don't again. I don't want to spoil too much of the story. Mm-hmm. But um, Daniel, the cool thing about Daniel is that this was <laughs> his first comic book. But he's been an artist for a while. Mm-hmm. He draws for a living. He draws album covers. Mm-hmm. And so he, but he was interested in this project, and uh, and he came on, and I think he did a really stellar job. That's great. Uh, the end, of course, surprised me. I mean, when uh, of course. where things go along the way, and the very last scene is very touching to me, even though it's got some stuff going on in it. It's I'm very surprised by it. So you know, I, I love that about all this. It's just an amazing. Yeah, amazing I, I absolutely think this story is like is very heartfelt, mm-hmm. and I love the way it turns out. And uh, yeah, it's definitely um, and and this is a story. So when I started this anthology, I thought that a lot of people were going to come to me with, um, you know, primarily like Greek myths, like your standard stuff. And, and, and a lot of people did, but we ended up getting a lot of stories outside of that from all sorts of different cultures. And Benkai is someone that I didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. before I, before I started this Mm -hmm. project. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, it was really cool to learn about him. I ended up doing some research about the the actual historical character and the folklore behind him, and yeah, so that that was just it was really cool to see, and I'm glad we we're getting that sort of culture and that story represented. See, I'm always reminded when we talk about this kind of stuff. I'm always remembering back to one some of the earliest comics I ever read, which is back in like the early 1960s. It was Gardner Fox was writing these Justice League stories, and he often taught things when he was going along he he they would go into like journey into the micro world or something like that and he would teach science you know they, they'd have fire and water and all these different elements were there and then they have other kinds of situations where they would learn other things and i always came away going gosh i i didn't know that before and this is the kind of thing with that story i didn't know anything about that that character until but now i want to learn more which is good stuff absolutely Okay, so the next one is, I, I, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce it. Kuchelain, is that how you pronounce Kukulain. it? Kukulain. Kukulain. See, I knew I'd mess it up. And mm-hmm. it's a different story. It's written by Fallon Walker, it says, with illustrations by Kirk McLaughlin and letters by Steve Walton. Now, this one, this is a dark one. Oh, yeah. Art wise and story wise, I think. It's it's based in Ireland. Talk about this, this story and, 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 you know, what it means to have the story in there. So. This is definitely one of the darker stories in in the book. And I think that not only is sort of the original story pretty dark, but also the way that Fallon chose to set it is like against the backdrop of the IRA, mm-hmm. uh, which is, of course, I mean, you know, that's heavy stuff. Um, and this is a tragedy. So we're definitely like on the opposite. If the if the Theseus story is on one end, mm-hmm. we're over here on the extreme polar opposite end in terms of tonality and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and storytelling. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I I think that um, I think we're offering a lot of different things in this book, and mm-hmm. I think that this story is uh, it's dark. It's it's uh, poetic. Mm-hmm. which I really like. And it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's an Irish story, mm-hmm. uh, which again is another culture that we're touching on, mm-hmm. which I really liked. And again, I don't, I don't want to give away, you know, too much of the plot in, mm-hmm. in terms of what happens, but, mm-hmm. um, but this was another person that another hero character that I didn't know anything about. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard for the first time when Fallon came to me and told me she wanted to to do this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And Fallon is actually someone that I've known for a long time, mm-hmm. um, since before my comic book writing days. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and I went to film school together. Mm-hmm. Uh, way, I mean, way back. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're talking 2010. But then I found out later on that she started to write comics. And mm-hmm. so we kind of like reconnected Mm-hmm. over that so it was really cool to get to work with her and and i think that i like this story because like i said it sets a, a one end of the spectrum in yeah. terms of telling you yeah it's really good I, I i liked it quite a lot for that so okay then the next one is called beowulf mm-hmm. phoebe xavier looks like with illustrations by federico i just managed Fe- to go federico Tizio. yeah yep and this is interesting because this is a again we're changing styles Almost completely. This has a little more of a, again, it's a little more back to the cartoony, but it's still got a semi-serious feel to it. And, of course, the subject matter is, is pretty serious, too. Now, Beowulf, of course, isn't that a, as I remember Beowulf, this is in like a, 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 a not European, but a British, Scottish sort of a setup. Is, mm-hmm. is this taking the story and putting it in a different setting? Is that what's going on here? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like an old English epic poem mm-hmm. you know beowulf obviously famous like one sort of i don't know if it's the original epic poem mm-hmm. but it's up there and in the original story you know beowulf fights a monster named grendel mm-hmm. and in this story beowulf is like a sort of like cyber security special ops kind of guy mm-hmm. who fights a computer virus named mm-hmm. grendel Mm-hmm. which I thought was a really fun twist. This is definitely, this story kind of verges a little bit into the sci-fi genre, mm-hmm. but um, and there's a there's actually a time jump in the story, just like in the original story of Beowulf. Mm-hmm. So it sort of starts out in a near future and then jumps forward to, to the future, and Beowulf is living uh, in a space station orbiting the Earth, and it more or less follows the plot of the original story of Beowulf Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of set against this sort of sci-fi, almost horror story. Mm-hmm. The, the use of colors and stuff, that has more of a painted feel. Oh, yeah. This one does to the others. And I, I, again, I like the, see, I like it when it goes a different direction than I've been, and that's what this one is doing. As soon as I saw Beowulf, I thought, oh, this is going to be another Scottish story, but it isn't really. It takes the, the, the premise of the legend and puts it into a different setting. So I like Absolutely. that. I, I like that kind of stuff. I like it when I get exposed to things that are somewhat different. Mm-hmm. So I like that. And next comes Achilles, written and illustrated by Trey McDonald. Yep. And this one is a lot more anime feel, look like it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Trey McDonald is actually an animator by trade. Mm-hmm. He has a pretty popular YouTube channel where he does... Uh, animated shorts and he has some animated series and he's he's like a his work is like his personality he's like very fun mm-hmm. and and sort of bubbly and that i think that comes through in this story and this is a very short and simple story but we're you know achilles is the story of achilles but for how sort of serious and dramatic the original myth of achilles is i feel like his story is, is a much more lighthearted and like heartwarming take on it mm-hmm well, it talks about winning. I mean, mm-hmm. What what does it mean to win? Which I really liked. When I got to I got to the end of it, and I was reading some of the the points that were being made at the end. I really liked it because I think sometimes we think winning is everything, and there's a certain way you always must win. And this story basically says, well, not necessarily. So mm-hmm. I liked that. That was a really good story with that. All these are really great little stories, and some of them, the length varies a lot, too, which is something. It's not always the same length, so you right. never know when you're coming to the actual end of a story. You know, if you, you get a certain number of pages, you think, oh, well, I, I'm going to be done here in a minute, but no. Sometimes it goes longer, and sometimes it's shorter, but that's good because it keeps the reader off balance, which I like. And then, of course, we get to Samson. That's a legend I know some a lot more about because of the biblical Mm-hmm. stuff and this and it takes Samson in a very different direction which I was really surprised by and I when I hmm, it, it, it takes elements of Samson's story and moves him in a different direction which I liked I talk about this one okay so Samson is 
written by Darby Shelton and Dee Parsons. Now, Dee Parson is a um, is a cartoonist mm-hmm. um, who is uh, is is sort of making waves in in cartoons like cartoon strips, like um, like newspaper strips, kind of. And so uh, that you can really feel that in the art style. But the the I really like this story because again sort of like the Achilles story, it takes a story that we all know pretty well and it gives it this like really heartwarming twist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you've finished the story and you feel good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I like that. I like that a lot. It's like, uh, you know, it's just, it's uh, it, like you said, like a lot of these stories, it takes a twist that you're not necessarily expecting. Mm-hmm. But it, but in this story, it's really it's really a very nice ending. Well, it it talks about what is strength really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it physical strength? Are there other kinds of strength? And when I got to the very end of the story, I kind of felt well. You know, Samson was still strong, even though some things had changed. He was still yep. a strong person, and that, that you come away with that in the sense that you don't necessarily have to be able to lift weights in order to be a strong person. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I think this is a. This is a story that uh, that that's very inspiring, and uh, you know, kind of like you said, the idea that even if you go through something that changes who you think you are mm-hmm. or your vision of yourself, you can still be a strong person. You can still be valuable mm-hmm. and important to people. Mm-hmm. It's really wrong about that. All right, next one is called Dynasty, and it's based on a myth I'm not familiar with called Aeneas. Aeneas, yeah. So Aeneas is like uh, the uh, like the follow up to the story of Troy, right? So uh, so you've got the the Iliad, and then there was a Roman story called Aeneas, mm-hmm. which is you know about more more. I mean, I don't want to get super into to, to that whole story, but it's essentially about like the founding of Rome, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so Clay Adams, the writer, decided to tell that story, but set uh, against sort of like like a mob background, mm-hmm. and it's a family drama, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I feel like that's just like a very fun, very fun twist mm-hmm. on the story. And of course, like at the end of the story, you know, it's another one of those stories where like this is this is really a beginning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, at the beginning, what happens is somebody makes predictions about how these three guys are going to turn out. Yep. And uh, it's interesting how each person gets a different direction in their life. And when we get to the end, we finally see one of them come true, Mm -hmm. which I liked. I liked that real well. So uh, there's a dog involved with it, too, that kind of get a cute uh, – he's going into Las Vegas, which, of course, he's going to probably develop Las Vegas as it comes later on. So really nice story. And Pwill, P-W-Y-L-L, is that how it's pronounced? Uh, Puel, I think Puel, it's pronounced Puel, and uh, that's a Welsh myth. Um, and I really like this story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written and drawn by Katrina Kunzman, mm-hmm. who has done a lot of really cool comics. She has a, a, a series called Warhead mm-hmm. that she draws, and then she's also she did a book with uh, Caleb Tusat called Afterlife or mm-hmm. Alter Life. Mm-hmm. Alter Life, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool. And in this story, the character of Rhiannon becomes a surfer girl mm-hmm. who Puel is like uh, is is sort of trying to get the attention of and and failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, th- I think this is this is uh, this is a pretty simple story, but I think it's mm-hmm. very cute. And I and I really like the direction that she went with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the male fem- female dynamic is really. Uh, always going to be a mystery <laughs> you know we we are constantly trying i mean you know people guys are always saying i wish i could figure women out and you know in this story you're right in the sense that it's you, you could call it simple but it's direct oh yeah if if sometimes you need to be more direct instead of <laughs> trying mm-hmm. different you know different means to get someone's attention and I really liked it in the sense that he goes through a whole lot of things until finally, out of desperation, he does something that he probably should have done at the very beginning. And <laughs> yep. things go along. It was really, you know, because, like I said, all my friends are going, going, I don't understand. How do I get, you know, I can't <laughs> understand my female friends. Why won't they do this and that and the other? And because he finally just 
wises up, <laughs> I have to say, and does <laughs> takes the more direct route, things change. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's it's very heartwarming in that sense. You know, when you get to the very last panel, it's really kind of cute the way mm-hmm. that it goes. So it's it's a really well told story. I really like it. I I don't know how many friends I've had in my life who are. You know, and I, I'm not known for my relationships <laughs> so with the opposite sex or even with the same sex. And I, I've got so many friends that have always come to me and said, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I, as an outsider, I can look at it and say, well, I had a guy that was trying to date an already married woman. And he was going, what should I do? What should I do? And I said, well, you know, all I can tell you is go to her and tell her what you want. And if that's, and then whichever she decides, you're going to have to go with it. Never did that, of course, but that was the, <laughs> the thing you should have done. And I always get a kick because as an outsider, on, especially on all these others' relationships, I can sort of look at that. And I got that same sense when I was reading the story in the sense that, you know, we don't understand, you know, what somebody else is thinking and therefore we make assumptions. <laughs> right. And that's what this story was talking about. You don't necessarily need to make assumptions. You just need to interact. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, say. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we get to that. Now, of course, that's the last story that I've seen. Now, you said there's a Hercules story. So there are three stories that you haven't seen. So there's a Hercules story, which was finished for right after I sent you the press copy. It's Mm -hmm. by Jonathan Fisher, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a really cool story. It's actually one of my favorites. um, Mm -hmm. And I will, uh, I'll, I'll send you another version that has it. But it casts Hercules as. A protector. So, in the original myth of Hercules, he has to do these labors, you know, to sort of prove himself. And one of them is to hunt a lion. Mm-hmm. Well, in this version of the story, instead, as atonement, he's protecting lions. Mm-hmm. So he is actually up against poachers. Mm-hmm. And it's a like this story is phenomenal. I can't wait for mm-hmm. you to read it because it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a dark horse. Jonathan Fisher came to me. I didn't really know anything about him. He had this pitch. I liked it, and he turned in the story, and it's amazing. It's mm. uh, it's fantastic. In fact, I have already started talking to Jonathan about working with him in the future on 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 one of my own personal books uh, cool. because because I liked his work so much. Oh wow! But, and then we've got a story called Jason by Angela Odling, who is the artist of the cover. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, and that was also one that was just finishing up as as I sent you the press copy. And this is a very cute story. Uh, all of her work is very cute. Um, it's got this very sort of like cartoon style, but it's like uh, it's very sort of like an intimate cartoon style. But she did the story uh, about Jason and the Golden Fleece, except instead of going to steal an actual Golden Fleece, Jason is a frat guy. Mm-hmm. who has been tasked with stealing a golden fleece jacket from the leader of an opposing frat. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very fun, it's a very cute story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is actually going to be the final story in the book, sort of oh, like okay. an in-cap. And then there's one more story, which is called Brothers of War by Aaron Pohara, mm-hmm. which is a, I want to say it's an Indian myth mm-hmm. about two brothers. And I don't know... A whole lot about it mm-hmm. and that uh that story there was an issue with with some of the art and so we're not really that story may or may not be in the final book i really hope it is okay. because the, the script i really liked but yeah we're not sure okay now i also noticed you had some pinups at the end and these are some characters that don't appear in the other stories one called sun wukong mm-hmm. by daryl toy looks like it's a, a lion or no monkey type of guy Mm-hmm. There, it looks like it's Buddhist because he's got a Buddha behind him. And then you have Pers—I oh, always mispronounce his name—Persephone, Persephone, and then and Hades. Yeah, Persephone and Hades. So Sun Wukong—that um, was a pinup that was drawn by Daryl Toe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, an Australian artist. He's really cool. And Sun Wukong is uh, also known as the Monkey King. Okay. And he is a Chinese character. Hmm. And uh, I just love that piece of art. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Persephone and Hades was drawn by a woman named Camry Lapka, who is uh, who offered to do a pinup. That's really cool. And then what's the other one? Is Medusa. Medusa. Yeah, that one. That's a, a more modern take on Medusa. Absolutely. Which so I really uh, liked. Um, 
uh, Medusa, that, that one was drawn by an artist named Daniel Hooker, who is someone I met at Heroes Con this year. Okay. And Daniel is a phenomenal artist, and uh, and I really liked his take on Medusa. Um, it, you know, essentially, he sort of, uh, when he sent me the art, he told me that he was inspired. If he had time, he wanted to someday draw a story about this Medusa character, because in his mind, this version of Medusa was traveling around the world, sort of like getting revenge on the men who wronged her. Hmm. Because there's like an airplane or a helicopter or something in the background. Uh-huh. I see. And of course, the, the what I really like is that the hair is really long and the, the snake heads are down to the bottom. Most of them are down near her waist and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different feeling because she's got sunglasses and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. So you have to wonder. And of course, then you see to the right... Uh, a, a looks looks like a horse head or something with a hand on it with a uh, trident. Mm-hmm. We'll go into more of that. There's obviously a story there. So it's, I, I really liked it. I, I, that was the of the of the three pinups that I saw. That was one I liked the most. Oh yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So there there are three pinups in the version that I sent you, and uh, there there are are going to be a number of other pinups that we're going to be revealing throughout the course of the campaign here mm-hmm. as we go. And so I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily spoil it or, or say because some of them are really fun, but there's, there's a bunch of artists who offered to do pinups. Of course, some of the artists who, you know, I, I went to a lot of my favorite artists and asked them to participate in this book. And, and some of them didn't have time to do stories, but I was able to trick them into, you know, give me one pinup. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the great stuff. It's a great book. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see the other parts that I haven't seen. I highly recommend. Now, of course, this Kickstarter is going on. When does this Kickstarter end? Okay, so the Kickstarter is going to end. It's going to end on the nineteenth of September, I believe. Okay, so let's see. That is a let me go quickly. A Thursday. It's a Thursday. Do you know about what time? Well, I'm going to be uh, our. I did launch the Kickstarter at midnight um, on the uh, the 20th of this month, mm-hmm. and so it should end around midnight. So I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, okay. and unless I got my math wrong, it should okay. end on midnight the 19th of, okay. of September. That's good. Now, you're talking about midnight the evening of the 19th, not the morning of the 19th. Yeah, the the evening, yeah. yeah. When I say so when 11, I say midnight, what I mean is 11, actually 59. Pacific time. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because my company is based out of Seattle, Washington. Yeah, yeah. you uh, relocated. So, yeah, I, re- I did relocate. I'm up in Washington now. So, yeah. You're lucky, dog. You're going to get to go to uh, the Seattle conventions, which are really Yes, cool. absolutely. Emerald City Comic Con. I'm really looking forward yeah. to that. Oh, and, gosh. That's a great one. We were there last year. We didn't go this year. But it was just it's six levels of floors. Oh, yeah. Man, you know, one floor is nothing but gaming. One floor is nothing but Artist Alley. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just an amazing convention. It's just one of those. It's one of my favorites. Absolutely, a great one up there. Now, this of course, this book, like I was saying, I love to learn things. So not only is the art great, but the storytelling is really good. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's such a great thing for me to learn things about it. So it's just one of those books that I, I highly recommend because, you know, I, I I want to be aware of other cultures. Uh, like I, I interviewed some folks who made comics in Canada, and I learned so much about the, the that nation that I didn't know before. You know, and and so for me, with this this setup here, I'm learning a lot of stuff, and I, it, it prompts me to want to go out and do more research on it because they're really interesting stories and really well told, and I was dying to know what the original uh, tales are that are based, uh, these are based on. So, so in in the in the final version of the book, what you're going to see before every single story is a little background mm-hmm. on the original myth, mm-hmm. um, and what choices the the writer made but what that's going to include is is some clues to where you can go to learn more about those myths and those oh, that's good that's so great. yeah i'm dead because i'm 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 right there with you i love i love learning new things and mythology is one of my favorite things i growing up i obviously i mean i loved greek mythology but mm-hmm. as i got older i started learning about other cultures mythologies and mm-hmm. The whole concept of mythology just fascinates me, mm-hmm. and so I definitely I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you enjoyed 
uh, learning more about those different cultures. And this this book will definitely be like a starting place in terms of if you read through this book and there's one story that you really like, you're going to be able to use this book as a resource, as a launching point for learning more about that culture oh, cool. and that mythology. Very cool. See, that, that's kind of stuff I love. I love to learn stuff. I bought a book called a long time ago called America. It was about a Vietnamese person in, in America. And I learned so much about that culture, especially in this country. It was like something I knew nothing about. And I, when I, I was to San Diego one time, and I saw, I was walking through the floor, and there I saw the big sign for Vietnam America. And I said, I loved your book. I said, I had no idea all this stuff was going on until I read the book, but I really loved it. And, he, you know, the guy was like, wow, okay, thanks. That's great. So it's that way with this stuff. There are legends you know i kind of pride myself on knowing some of these legends but i don't know half of them and so i was real i'm dying to know more about them i'm just anxious to get to to see the book now do you know when the book's actually going to be finished do you have any idea yeah so we are finished with the book now or or it's 99 percent finished cool and so as soon as the when the Kickstarter ends, there's about a three week period, you know, where, before the money comes in from the Kickstarter. Right. Of course. And then as but as soon as we get that money after the Kickstarter, we're ordering the printed copies and we're using a domestic printer. So we will actually I will have the copies in hand by November. Mm. So if everything goes according to plan, mm-hmm provided that there's no hiccups with the money coming in or the printing process, we will have the book out to the backers before the end of the calendar year. Cool. Now, of course, we talked about conventions and stuff. Are you going to be doing any other conventions the rest of the year that you might have the book with you? Uh, Unfortunately, not where I'll have the book because I won't be getting the book until November. I am doing uh, Rose City Comic Con in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And that is sort of like the sister convention to Emerald City Comic Con. And that's a September... It's about halfway through September, and okay. I'll be there. And the, the the Kickstarter will actually still be going at that point, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll kind of be promoting this book, mm-hmm. but I won't actually have it at any conventions okay. until next year. Okay. Well, the, the, all the more reason to support the Kickstarter and to get uh, have it be to be ready when the, when you're sending them out. That'll be good stuff with that. Now, I've got one. Well, I've got, I always got to ask about social media. How do we follow up your projects on social media? Okay, so this project in particular, you can find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook group called Modern Mythology. Mm-hmm. And then as far as my projects go, you on um, Instagram and Facebook, on uh, a small favor or a small favor comic, which is sort of my main comic book series. And then... We also have a website, a sort of new website since the last time you and I talked called um, EnkiduStudio.com because the sort of the LLC that I operate under is called Enkidu Studio and Enkidu is a character actually from a Sumerian myth. Okay, how do you spell that just so we know? E-N-K-I-D-U. Okay, because I, I would never have found it. <laughs> so I'm glad that you, you can <laughs> g- give us that information, I, and, you know. And I will. I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you the addresses for those things. Okay. Um, so that so you can list them. But yeah. So on on Facebook, we we do have a modern mythology account. I haven't really set up anything else like Instagram or anything for modern mythology. But Enkidu Studio and Small Favor is where you can follow my stuff. Okay. Now I got one more subject I want to talk with you real briefly about. When I was looking in Kickstarter, I came across a fact that you had recently completed another Kickstarter. <laughs> and I had never heard of it before. So I had to ask you about it. It's called Help Me Design This Giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let me tell you about this. <laughs> so basically, a few months ago, Kickstarter sent out an email. They said, uh, We're doing a new initiative. You know, every once in a while, Kickstarter does an initiative. Like a while back, they did Kickstarter Gold, they did Make 100, things like that, where it's like, they invite creators to make a new Kickstarter, but with like some kind of a twist. Mm-hmm. And this one was called Break Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And basically, the concept was we want you to do a Kickstarter, but do something like wacky with the format. Mm-hmm. And like their big suggestion was basically like get the backers involved mm-hmm. in, in a bigger way in your project. And <laughs> so I. 
I sort of thought, what's something like really fun and simple and easy that I could do uh, that, that would kind of follow up on that? And so basically I drew this giraffe and I put him on a postcard and I said, okay, anybody who gives me like I, I made a bunch of unique reward tiers um, and I was like, anybody who backs this project is like a dollar or like three dollars or like very small amounts of money. You get to pick one thing that goes on the giraffe. So there was like a level for you get to pick what kind of hat the giraffe is wearing uh, or you get to pick what kind of shoes the giraffe is wearing or like what's the giraffe's favorite ice cream or what's his zodiac sign and like really silly stuff. And I thought I made it because I, I looked up how much it would cost to order postcards and it was like, you know. I, I, I set a $25 goal. I was like, that's what I need. I'm, I'm going to end up ordering like 10 postcards and like sending them out. Well, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like 65 people yeah. uh, paid me to add stuff to this draft. And the draft, the final draft is ridiculous. It's got like 12 scarves on its long neck. It's got like rainbow wings. It has a, a cybernetic eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out it like this, this draft was an ex KGB agent who likes to drink <laughs> apple teenies, uh, and all sorts of ridiculous other things that got added to this, uh, to this card. And I, I, I honestly, like, I, I was like a whim and it really, it really kind of took off in a really silly way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a lot of fun with it and I'm actually, mm-hmm. I'm, or I just ordered the, uh, the, as we're speaking, I just ordered those postcards. And so. So I'm going to be sending those out to the people. And and I'm going to, like, on the website that I ordered the postcards on, I had to order them in, like, multiples of 50 or something like that. So mm-hmm. so I'm going to end up having, like, 40 or 35 extra that I'm going to bring with me to the next time I go to a convention and just, like, give them out to people if they want them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it, it, was just like a, it was just, like, a really fun, silly thing. It was kind of a whim, but it turned out to be a lot of, a lot of fun. And it, it, be, it became a community thing because, obviously, like, the whole thing was that, Everyone was helping me design this draft together. Mm-hmm. Well, you were looking for $25 was the goal, and you ended up with, according to this, $223. Yep. Which is quite a nice, uh, you know, quite a change from the <laughs> $25. So that's good, you know. And they, and obviously people had a lot of fun with it, which is great. Because when I came across I looked at it, I said, I have never heard of this. What, what When was this? <laughs> I never saw So I thought I'd ask you about it because I thought it was kind of a cute project, something kind of fun to do. So I'm yeah. glad it was so successful for you. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And I think people have already asked me if I'm going to do another thing that's similar. And I said, my my answer to that is kind of like, it was a, it was a whim. And it's not something that I'm like trying to monetize or anything like that was never the intention. But maybe if Kickstarter like next year, if they do another like initiative, and I can find a way to fit something silly into that again, maybe I'll do another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you know, I had fun with it. And, uh, and yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you got to do it because when I started to look at it, I was going, you know, I, I was just baffled because I had not heard of it. <laughs> and I tried to keep up with these things. And I was, and I looked at it and I said, this is something different. And I said, so I, I got a kick. I read where you said that Kickstarter approached you about doing some of this kind of stuff. It's, it's uh-huh. nice that you're in a place where, you know, they can ask you to have fun with it. And obviously it was a huge success. So that's, that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was definitely fun. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't reach out to you about it because I didn't. Uh, it felt so silly and like uh, that. I didn't want to like make a big to do and do a lot of press or anything like that. <laughs> well, it turned out great for it. You know, I'm always glad when something when you because Harry Potter. I always love to point this out. Harry Potter was written by a woman who was on welfare. She had a baby to raise. She would go to a restaurant and she would bring a typewriter or a computer or something to, and she would write her scripts while she was in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And everybody turned it down until she got to Scholastic, and then they bought the script. And she now is the richest woman in the world. Right. I I love when something like that happens. I love when something when we don't expect something to take off and it does. I'm I'm always enthralled by that, and I'm glad to see that this was one of those kinds of projects. So that's pretty cool. Thank you. So, Caleb, you're doing great stuff, giraffes included, <laughs> and hope we'll get to do some more for you. I, I'm sure this is going to be a big success, this Kickstarter. So we'll look forward to getting that, and we'll talk with you again sometime in the near future, I'm sure, because oh, a lot of good things going on. Yeah, I got, a, I got a lot of stuff. I'll be hitting you up soon. Oh, great. We'll look forward to that. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Wayne. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol, 
Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. And that's a wrap for this episode. Until next time, keep reading your comics.